inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? You told us when it could be time to panic. Well, is it time to panic? Well, let me just tell you, folks, it's never going to be time to panic because we're never going to give up. We're not going to give up on America. America is worth it. America is worth fighting for. America is worth not giving up. And while we have that attitude of not giving up, we are constantly going to be searching, strategizing, coming up with ways to prevail. We've got the basics. We have we have millions and millions of Americans that are fed up. Can't wait to do something about it. There will be a series of ideas that people come up with based on dealing with the fraud that we know we have to deal with. You're not alone. You're not a singular individual all by yourself out there trying to fight these people by yourself. There are 74 million plus and growing. We're not going to give up on America. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hour three of the Wendy Bell Radio program is on the clock. Welcome back to all of you, especially those who have downloaded our podcast. I'm so happy that you have. Thank you so much. A million and a half podcast downloads. Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite listening material. Give us a like, a follow, a share, maybe a five-star review, but welcome. We're so delighted to be with you. Listening to Rush Limbaugh on that clip preceding this, we're not going to give up on America. How true is that? We don't give up on the people we love. Sometimes we stay in it far too long fighting for that. We will not give up on America. And if it comes down to full out war, I think there are a lot more people on the right who are able, willing and ready to go. than there are people who are in the perpetual victim protest class on the left. This story, though is galling that somebody could lie and create a false narrative that resulted in the loss of life years and freedom for an innocent individual I will never understand and I'm just going to have to get comfortable not understanding an awful lot in this world I want to read this article to you. It is of vital importance. It is from The Blaze. Did Pelosi's security chief perjure himself in the Oath Keepers trial? It is a fascinating and infuriating dive into all of those 1,700 cameras at the U.S. Capitol. All of the cell phone footage. Here is the story. A Capitol Police officer assigned to the protective detail of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on January 6, 2021, appears to have given false testimony about his whereabouts during a key encounter with members of the Oath Keepers, according to an examination of Capitol closed-circuit TV video obtained by Blaze Media. This is the beginning of a series of analyzing video evidence recently made available to the public. 
The full release of the videos was delayed by the House vote to oust Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So here's democracy on trial. One of the most important federal trials in American 2022 was barely a blip on the average U.S. citizen's radar. The first of three January 6 trials bringing seditious conspiracy charges against members of a quasi-military group called the Oath Keepers began in late September and concluded in late November of last year. For each of these trials, the U.S. Justice Department brought out its big guns. Assistant U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Nessler's opening statement threw down the gauntlet, declaring five Oath Keepers were the leaders of the insurrection. The Oath Keepers trials were a central part of the overarching case made by the Biden administration and Democratic Party leaders to the American people that the protests on January 6, 2021, were a premeditated attack on democracy itself. Remember, they always tell you what they're guilty of by pointing fingers at other people. I read through the lines. January 6 was premeditated, but not by the people on the right. As we will reveal in this and subsequent reports, the Justice Department, the FBI, and elements of the Capitol Police leadership appeared to leave nothing to chance. Not that extreme measures would be necessary before D.C. juries, which have consistently found January 6 defendants guilty. But the weaponized Department of Justice now only plays for wins, not justice. Federal prosecutors were looking for notches in their career advancement gun belts, and FBI agents were eligible for cash bonuses in what was to be the largest criminal dragnet in U.S. history. Ultimately, it was mission accomplished for Nestler and his team in their first marquee January 6 outing. Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes found guilty of seditious conspiracy and sentenced to 18 years in federal prison. Kelly Meggs also found guilty of seditious conspiracy, got 12 years. Jessica Watkins acquitted of seditious conspiracy, but found guilty of conspiracy to obstruct and interfering with police, sentenced to eight and a half years. Kenneth Harrelson received four years for obstructing an official proceeding, interfering with police, and tampering with documents or proceedings. After a victory so important to the regime, none other than U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland showed up to toast the victors after the verdicts were read. Stopping by at a Mexican restaurant, to celebrate after jury verdicts in the high stakes case were handed down. Ew. So here's the narrative, of course, and this is why they're trying to get Donald Trump. All right. To prove that the Oath Keepers were seditionists intent on overthrowing the U.S. government and preventing the execution of the laws, federal prosecutors claimed that while inside the Capitol, members of the group were involved in a contentious interaction with law enforcement. The incident supposedly took place in an unmistakable public area at the top of the stairs next to the Capitol Rotunda, also known as the small or mini rotunda or the speaker's lobby. Yet despite the fact that there were at least 1,700 cameras in and around the building and grounds and 41,000 hours of footage, many of which directly covered this well-traveled area, No direct video evidence of the alleged confrontation from the closed circuit TV was ever presented to the jury. Much of the video footage has been kept from the public defenders, no less than from the public itself. At trial, 
this key piece of evidence purportedly proving the seditious intent of the Oath Keepers was based on the accounts of two law enforcement officers. U.S. Capitol Police Special Agent David Lazarus, a member of Speaker Pelosi's security detail. He testified that he passed by Officer Harry Dunn, engaging with four Oath Keepers three or four times while he was evacuating staffers for Pelosi who were trapped in a locked office in her chambers. Lazarus went on to explain that he observed Dunn, quote, arguing with rioters and that during the exchange, he eventually found an opening through the rioters and was able to rescue 11 or 12 of Pelosi's staffers, always the hero, of course. During his sworn testimony, Lazarus went into great detail about the problems he had getting through the crowd of rioters gathered at the top of the stairwell, where Dunn was having what became a much publicized interchange with the Oath Keepers. Lazarus explained that one rioter asked, who are you? And then according to the trial transcript, he testified he had his lanyard. He showed a blah, blah, blah. Lazarus detailed description of what took place, though. What Lazarus described as a very antagonistic in the three or four times he passed by. Dramatic moment in the trial. Quote, every time I interacted or came by, yes, it was antagonistic explained Lazarus under direct questioning by the assistant U.S. attorney Alexandra Hughes. He was even shown a short cell phone video clip of the four Oath Keepers standing in front of Officer Dunn. The problem with Lazarus's testimony, however, about this significant event is that according to direct video evidence, the jury never saw it never happened. Three Blaze Media employees, including the person writing the article I'm now reading, and a House Oversight Committee staffer recently examined the U.S. Capitol closed-circuit TV video, which appears to prove conclusively that Special Agent Lazarus was not in that part of the Capitol building at the time he claimed he was, but was in fact in the lower tunnels that lead to the Senate office buildings, escorting senators away from the Capitol by analyzing the footage from multiple cameras and comparing the timelines associated with Officer Dunn's actual interaction on camera with the Oath Keepers. It's clear that Lazarus didn't arrive at the bottom of the staircase until three and a half minutes after the last of the Oath Keepers had left the area and were exiting the Capitol building. Lazarus emerged from the top of the stairwell just after 3.05 p.m., after tactical units from the ATF and D.C. Metro Police had completely cleared the top of the staircase, the Speaker's lobby, and the Speaker's offices of all protests. In the absence of video evidence at trial, Lazardus's testimony served as verification by a trustworthy law enforcement official of Dunn's account to the jury of his interaction with the Oath Keepers. But even without consulting the new video evidence, both men are on the record offering conflicting accounts of the circumstances in which they supposedly encountered each other at the top of the rotunda staircase. And that is where we will go next. Because what they said the Oath Keepers did and what the video shows the Oath Keepers doing are very different things, my friends. I've got it for you next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. All right, so let's finish this up because it's important to get to its conclusion. People at Blaze Media, Glenn Beck's uh, operation, 
have gotten access to the 1,700 different closed-circuit TV cameras in and around the Capitol. They've gone through the footage, and they they found a discrepancy that not only that that the Oath Keepers themselves, their lawyers, did not find because they would have fought the, their client's guilty verdicts. Okay, here's the story. So you got two guys, two Capitol Police officers, Lazarus and Dunn. Each of them is going to offer a, a recollection of events in which they say they were threatened, or in Lazarus's case, he witnessed Officer Dunn in a heated antagonistic exchange with the Oath Keepers. Here's how it picks up. Lazarus claimed he saw Dunn involved in a conflict with the Oath Keepers as Lazarus came up the stairs. Dunn claims the opposite, that he saw Lazarus involved in a conflict as Dunn came up the stairs. Blaze Media has acquired an advanced copy of Dunn's forthcoming book, Standing My Ground, a Capitol Police Officer's Fight for Accountability and Good Trouble After January 6th. Gosh, scheduled for the release on October 24th. On pages 79 and 80, Dunn describes his first encounter of the day with Lazarus. I took off, running up a winding spiral staircase towards the speaker's lobby. Now I was on the same floor as the rotunda. As soon as my, as I made it into the building, I saw Special Agent David Lazarus. He was being hassled by some rioters. Well, apparently, neither Dunn's ghostwriter nor his editor checked the Oath Keeper's trial transcript, in which Lazarus claims to recount the same moment in time. So the Attorney asks him, so how was your evacuation effort? How did you interact with this space? Where were you going in relation to what we're looking at now? Looking at the video of the Oath Keeper surrounding Dunn. He says, so I came up from the first level and I came up the stairs behind Dunn. And as I'm coming up, I could see Dunn above me as I was coming up the stairs. And I look and I see him standing there. And this crowd is like right in front of him. Dunn claims to have first seen Lazarus already at the top of the staircase, being hassled by rioters when he arrives. Lazarus testified that Dunn was above me, already at the top of the staircase when he arrived. Well, the Capitol video reveals that Dunn reached the top of the staircase, landing at exactly 2.44 p.m. Dunn could not have seen Lazarus there, as Lazarus is clearly identified on video in the tunnels near the Senate office buildings at the same time. And Lazarus could not have seen Dunn interacting with the Oath Keepers three or four times in a very antagonistic encounter because Lazarus didn't arrive at the staircase until 2.56. The last Oath Keeper left at 2.53. Again, Lazarus arrives well over three minutes after the Oath Keepers had departed the area. In Lazarus's own trial testimony, he claimed he was not present when video footage shows that Dunn was actually at the top of the stairs. This important element of his testimony was missed not only by all eight of the Oath Keepers defense lawyers, but also by the journalists reporting on the trial from the first floor media room in the courthouse. Lazarus truthfully testified that he had been escorting U.S. senators through the tunnels to the Senate office buildings. So he testified under oath, verified by Capitol Police television, that he was moving through the tunnels at the very same time, he would later testify that he saw Officer Dunn being hassled by Oath Keepers. So, obviously, they're lying. 
There is no evidence of the Oath Keepers hassling or antagonizing Officer Dunn at all. In fact, it is entirely likely and probably what happened. That the Oath Keepers were trying to protect him, to get him out of a stressful situation. And for that, they were lied about under oath using manipulated video, video that was hidden from the defense teams so they could not look at it and use it in their own defense, which is illegal in our country. And now we have how many people twisting away in federal prison? This is going to hit mainstream. It's not going to be today. It likely won't be even this week. But it will come out. And those men and women who've been cast aside, who've been flushed away because they were the collateral damage in a scheme so dark and so insidious that it makes my skin crawl, this will come out. And there will have to be a great purging in the realm of justice in this country because it doesn't exist. People in prison for not even being in D.C., serving 22 years, while we have folks climbing the walls outside the, the White House, defacing public statues, and chant, chanting the most horrific things, get a pass. That's not justice. That's called insanity. Quick time out when we come back. America wants competence, not social justice. The talk, Kamala Harris. <laughs> oh boy, wait for it next. I think one of the things that's most interesting about being a mother of multiple children and I think having five sons, it's not something that's amazing today, certainly because we've had so many people, like my father-in-law was one of 14, right? But having five kids now is a very interesting study in maturity. So I have 23, 21, almost 18 this week, and, and twin 15-year-olds. And, and to gauge everyone's wherewithal and their emotional maturity it's very interesting to watch them go through various chapters of life. I'm waiting for our media to mature accordingly as well. Because, what was that? I'm sorry, Brock. Were you going to play something? No? No, I don't know where that came from. Okay. Um, they are so immature about the dumb stuff that they want us talking about. Rolling Stone drops a bombshell expose on Mike Johnson. And, and they reveal that he doesn't watch porn. That's the story of this article. Honest to God. You have the Biden family, which undeniably now, bank records don't lie, got money at a minimum $240,000 from his family, from dirty crap that is illegal. 
And Rolling Stone wants you to know that Mike Johnson, one, isn't rich, not even close, has no savings, allegedly. And number two, is not an enthusiast of porn. And that's supposed to move your needle today. After all that we've talked about, see, these news outlets are going to have to figure it out pretty soon. And then we were talking during the commercial break. Any of these outfits could put out a full page, two word headline that would be the beginning of their own salvation. And all it would need to say is, I'm sorry. We're sorry. Because we've been lying to you. We've been screwing around with you. We've been inventing facts. We've been covering for scoundrels. We haven't been honest. We have lied repeatedly. We've given you terrible coverage of Donald Trump. Terrible pictures of him. All of it. We've done everything we can to prop up Joe Biden. And the wheels are off. And now we've got the reality in this polling that nobody is buying the garbage that we have tried so hard in our liaison apparatus as the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party that we've been trying to push on you. We're sorry. I don't even think that would do much for us. Little glimmers, though, of reality popping out, random acts of journalism. I find that we should talk about them. Here's ABC This Week. And here's the reality. Democrats don't have a plan B. If you think it's Gavin Newsom, he sucks. Everybody knows he sucks. He's made California suck. We want him here? Everywhere? Really? Come on. And they're calling it out now. Kamala, they're saying on ABC This Week? Yeah. Nobody wants this woman either. Go. This is probably going to lead to a lot of Democrats increasing the chatter that Joe Biden should step aside and, and, and make room for another Democrat. And I think the problem that Democrats have is they don't know who that Democrat would be right now. I don't think that uh, people look at Kamala Harris and feel like she is ready to take that step forward. They look across the rest of the party, governors, senators, mayors, House members, and they're struggling to figure out who they could put up if it's not Joe Biden. And so I think the reality is Democrats are probably going to run Joe Biden. Shocking. Kamala Harris, the zero who has done zero. The border czar, the 5G czar, the freshwater czar, whatever the hell she She's a zero. She's an abject negative. And so then you've got Jen Psaki on her show on MSNBC with election denier extraordinaire Stacey Abrams, who only knows one card and it says victim. If she's not a victim because she's black, she's a victim because she's a woman. And nothing is worse than a woman who feels victimized for the very nature that she expects you to vote for her, right? So Jen Psaki is going to say, oh my gosh, people don't like Kamala Harris. That's terrible. She'd be, she'd be a great vice president, not. And then Stacey Abrams is going to drop this for you. Gotta love it. Listen. I wanted to ask you about the vice president because she has been under a huge amount of scrutiny through her entire time in office. I think there's a lot of reasons for this. But I want to ask you, as a prominent woman of color who's run for office, do you think she would be receiving these same critiques if she was a white man? No. No, not at all. No. We will always question the person behind the person. But we cannot ignore the misogyny 
and racism remain very prevalent in our politics. And for those behaviors that don't rise to either misogyny or racism, there's also just the difference. Our expectations are set for the traditional white male vice president. Okay, we had a black president. So apparently the ceiling in the vice president's position is more difficult to overcome. Misogyny and racism. You know what we want? Competence. Honesty. Results. Safety. Joy. Peace. Savings. A future. Kids who are not being indoctrinated in schools. How about police that actually are allowed to do their jobs? How about the military that isn't been wokeified into some rainbow-colored debacle? That's what we want, Stacey. Sadly, you're not part of that. Can we fact check her? What do you want to fact check? Let's go. She talks about misogyny. Mm. Isn't there? Wasn't this the year that more women were elected to Congress? Yes. Yes. Than ever before. Yes. Okay. More women admitted to college. More women graduating from college, as though that is supposed to be a benefit now, because we see what college is producing, which is activism, indoctrinated activism. You know, Stacey Abrams just has terrible ideas. It's because of her buffoonish ways that cost Atlanta. What was it? Not the World Series. It was the All-Star game. Yeah. So we're going to move from predominantly African-American Atlanta to Lily White, Denver, Colorado. Perfect. What a great idea. Good job, Stace. Pretty sure you should sit down and zip it. But she's not done. She's not done here. She's thinking about possibly getting back into the fray of politics because you know it pulses through her. She's got more victimhood to portray on everybody, right? Listen, audio sound by two. Have you ruled out running for office in the future? You're Not young. I, no, I, I, politics is a part of what I am and part of what I do. My approach is to do the work. Politics is one of the tools that I can use to do so. The work that I do supporting small businesses and defending uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, the work I'm doing with rewiring America on electrifying everything. All of those are facets to get to what I believe in most importantly, which is that we should have the right to succeed. Yeah, we should have the right to succeed with you and, and you know, your mouth muzzled. The work that you do for small businesses, how many small businesses did you cost so much money by squawking about the all-star game? How much? More than a million dollars? Millions of dollars? My plan is to do the work. Dot, dot, dot. Of suck. All I want to do is foment frustration. I want everybody to be active and angry and protest. Stacey Abrams is an HR person's nightmare. Right? Who wants this individual on their team? Let alone in their government. Always looking for ways to counteract your own ineffectiveness, your own lack of mental acuity, your own God-given negatives. <laughs> well, blame other people. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, we parents, we try, to, we try to dissuade our children from those sorts of avenues, right? Don't blame somebody else. And then finally, just because we can, a little hypocrite alert in our final Jen Pasake and Stacey Abrams love affair. Go. The responsibility we have is to keep our eye on the ball, which is that this is about election conspiracy and attempting to undermine how our process works. No politician is entitled to win. I, I know that personally. Mm. 
but we are all entitled to trust the process. And when that process is threatened by outside actors who are willing to undermine election security and undermine and commit fraudulent acts to achieve their ends, then they are thwarting the will of the people. I go- I totally agree with her. Now, she's going to allege that Donald Trump is the one who's doing that. You know, the guy that they spied on, that they wiretapped, that created the dossier of ridiculosity, that they accused of being a Russian spy, that they impeached for a phone call, the one that they've raided, the one who's received 95% negative news coverage, he is the one trying to undermine the system. No, he's the one to illuminate how rigged, how horrendously corrupt and unbelievable the electoral process has become in this country. And she, I spared you, because there is a five-minute mashup of her doing nothing except denying the results of her last elections. Losses. This is, this is what's shameful about box checking, about environmental social governments, governance nonsense, about this rainbow umbrella of love and inclusion and diversity, which is really nothing except yet another influence peddling scheme with people who suck at the top, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, George Soros, Barack Obama, BlackRock, Vanguard, all of the major players. They're the ones who are ruining everything. And we are the ones fighting back. And more of the little people who've been manipulated by those quote-unquote elite are pushing back too. And that is why they are terrified. McDonald's in San Francisco. Why would a McDonald's in San Francisco make it into the show today? It's Bidenomics, baby. I got it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. This is the... This is what sickens me about hearing people like Democrat Representative Jasmine Crockett saying that the reason why some people in the black community, including a large number in the black, 22 percent, according to this new New York Times poll, 22 percent choosing Donald Trump over Joe Biden. These numbers are usually the black vote for Republicans for president, usually single digits. I think Ronald Reagan eclipsed 10% and that was huge. 22% of black voters in this New York Times poll say they prefer Donald Trump. See, Jasmine Crockett is going to tell you that black voters just don't understand. They They don't understand civics. They're not nuanced. They don't know what's going on. Look, folks, if you have people in your family to feed... If you have bills to pay, you know damn well what's going on. And that kind of a commentary is demeaning, and I would say it, it is racist. This is a story that is undeniable for those who are scratching their heads about why isn't Bidenomics working? It's not, people aren't buying it. Headline, San Francisco's McDonald's shuts down after 30 years amid the city's decline. A McDonald's in downtown San Francisco, California, has shut down 
as the city grapples with numerous issues plaguing businesses in the area. The fast food location's ownership, Scott Rodick of Rod- Roderick, excuse me, of Roderick Management Group, held a negative view, had a negative view when speaking of the issue. Office building vacancies, the environmental atmosphere of downtown sidewalks, and a tepid return by tourists and conventioneers all drove the business. Look, if you don't feel safe, if you as a business don't feel safe in your business, how can you think that people are going to feel safe parking their cars on the street to go to your business? They're not safe. The economics of running a franchise restaurant in San Francisco to continue to be a challenge, particularly in a downtown that is impacted by high office building vacancy rates and visitor trends that have not recovered since the pandemic. My front street location without the benefit of parking and a drive through amplified the challenge. The location has been in business for 30 years, but employees have had to find work at other McDonald's in the area. It is not safe. Roderick said his other locations are doing fine. It was a gut punch to close that downtown location, kind of his his first. In May, San Francisco launched its first advertising campaign in an effort to bring tourists back to the area. Why would you want to go back? Honestly, why would you go back to San Francisco? Why would you want to go to New York City? Why would you ever go to Philadelphia? Why would you ever want to drive even through Baltimore, Maryland? You wouldn't. It's not safe by design. The police have been demonized. Their funding drastically slashed. Something happens to you, they're not going to come and help you. There's nobody to come. And now I see this other ancillary article... I'm not going to get into it, but are you surprised? The Business Insider, 20 major retailers closing stores in 2023 in nearly 3,000 locations. More than 2,800 stores are closing this year. Hardy have. And this goes well beyond Bed Bath & Beyond. It's also Foot Locker, closing 545 stores. Tuesday morning, CVS, Rite Aid. Walgreens. Why? Because the theft has done them in. The theft and Soros-funded DAs who do not prosecute the offenders creates a ripe environment that is enticing for dirtbags. And you, as the honest customer, watches as people walk in and just clear whatever they want and put them in their backpacks. Walgreens, 150 stores. Bath and Body Works, 50 stores, Gap and Banana Republic, 46 stores, Party City, Walmart, even closing, Walmart, closing 23 locations, Best Buy, Target closing 13 stores, Amazon, I didn't know they had actual brick and mortar stores, closing nine. It's so interesting to me that the Democrats and those in the media, that is sorry, redundant, are, are mystified as though they need to search the deep black depths of the magic eight ball. Oh, magic eight ball. Tell me, why are people 
so angry at the Democrats? Why are the people not watching television? Why have our paper subscriptions cratered, collapsed, non-existent? We're desperate. Why, pray tell eight ball, magic eight ball, why are we following like the San Francisco downtown McDonald's and we'll have to fold? Because that is the plan to destroy America from within. And just think, we haven't even discussed the 8 to 10 million, whatever the number is today, of illegal immigrants who have no business being in this country. And I wonder if every bleeding heart liberal out there, oh, they're just escaping persecution. So are we. Oh, they're just trying to get away from a corrupt government. So are we. Oh, they're just looking for some financial relief. So are we. Oh, they just want to be somewhere that's safe. Mm. So do we. And you've ruined all of those things. So we will watch. There will be a trickle, drip, drip, drip of awakening in the media. We'll see a greater distancing as the House Judiciary and House uh, Oversight have their closed door meetings. We'll check to see what David Weiss has to tell Jim Jordan tomorrow. And of course, as always, you'll learn about it here first. That is our promise. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Wendy Bell Radio program. We hope you come back for seconds. We'll see you then. Peace. Peace.